This is the Rise City Church Sermon Podcast. We are a church in Gresham, Oregon, on a mission to rise up and saturate our city with the gospel. We would love for you to join us on Sundays. For more information, check out our website, rise.cc. Whether you already follow Jesus or are exploring Christianity, we hope that you experience the power of God through this message. My wife and I, we were in an argument this week. Uh, oh, the first time. And... Uh, <laughs> My kids, my kids have this posture when we get in an argument. Uh, my, my son walks, he always wants to be in the room, but he's like, he's like timid and he's usually like barking his opinion, you know? And then my daughter, she gets so excited. She goes, ah, yes, like, she's like, I love this, you know, mom's right, you know, okay? And I looked at my kids this week and I was like, okay, you can be here. And you can sit down. I don't want your comments. Like, I don't, I don't need you, you know, piping in where mom's right, okay? All right? But I want you to observe this and experience this because I need you, kids, I need you to experience that, that you can disagree in a healthy way. And, and, and I, a part of training them up is, is them experiencing how you go through these kind of challenges. And so I, I share that because I think this is important for us as a church as we continue to press forward in the gospel that, that we move through things in a healthy way. And for those of you guys who are like, man, like the, I picked a weird first Sunday to visit Rise. Like, I, I hope you would actually walk away being like, man, that is a healthy gospel-centered family that, that I long to be a part of as they walk through these things. And so um, I want you to turn uh, to, to act, Acts 20. And what we're going to lo- look at is we're going to look at this, this good gospel goodbye this journey um, that, that Paul goes on. So, so Paul, for those of you guys who don't know, Paul was, he, he was one of the first missionaries, the first church planters of the church. There was, you know, there was the 12 disciples, okay? And, and then, and, and then J- Judas, he, he doesn't make the cut, right? Okay, and so they raise up this other guy, Matthias. And, and, but ultimately, Paul becomes an apostle, and he is the one who moves the church forward. And you can see that there, there's maps of his journey that he goes on. And so, so he starts in Antioch, and he's moving from city to city. And you know what he's doing? He's planting churches. And there's one in particular that we've heard of often is, is the church at Ephesus. And he spends three years there, and he's meeting with them. And, and, and he's having one-on-one meetings, and he's, he, he's preaching in the synagogues and these public places, and there's just this incredible movement of the gospel. But Paul knows his call from the Holy Spirit. Paul knows that he has to keep moving. He has to keep planting churches. He has to keep spreading the gospel. And so in Acts 20, we get this glimpse of this actually deeply emotional conversation that he has with the elders uh, um, at the church of Ephesus, with with these church leaders as he's walking through. And this is what I want to walk through. And so this is a long passage, but I think it's important for us to walk our way through this and then ask, okay, how do we as a church in seasons like this, how do we do gospel goodbyes well, not just as a church, but even as individuals, as we are navigating these things with family members, with friends, with coworkers, with neighbors. So um, Acts 20, starting in verse 18, Paul, again, he's speaking to the leaders of the church at Ephesus. He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. 
how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's like, so he starts out, he's like, hey, remember the impact. Remember what happened in my time here. 22, and behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit. He's saying, I, I have to leave. I, I have to continue to move forward in this call from the Lord. Not knowing what will happen to me there, except for that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. This is his pattern. That constantly Paul is being imprisoned wherever he goes. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom of God will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And so be careful. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. Paul, Paul's saying, hey, you know that I worked. You know that, that I worked to provide so I could just do ministry. And all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down, and he prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and they kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So how do we do gospel goodbyes? Seeing this journey that Paul went on, how he's going out to, to plant more churches and to continue to be on mission, um, the first thing I, I just need us to see is that it is good and godly to grieve. Uh, it, you felt it in the room uh, as soon as Nolan said, it was like, oh, this is exciting. Like, he's going to plant a church. And then when we hear that he's planting a church hundreds of miles away, there was just this collective, like, grief in the room. Like, can I just tell you, like, it is good and godly to grieve. It's okay to be sorrowful in moments. Some of you ha have navigated this in many ways over the last two years. There's been this, ma this massive shift and movement of people. And, and you've had neighbors that you love. You've had family members. You've had best friends who've moved across the country 
And, and I just need you to see it is good and godly to grieve. And there was much weeping on the part of all is what it tells us here in Acts 20. Now think about the Ephesians relationship with Paul. He spent three years with them. He ate with them. He taught them the way of Jesus. He baptized many of them. He, he, he shared the gospel with them. At one point, there's this like massive riot in downtown Ephesus at this theater. And they're all cheering, great as Artemis, great as Artemis, right? And Paul's like, let me in there. Look at all these people, you know, ch- chanting to this foreign God. I could preach the gospel to all of them at once. And they're like, they're going to kill you. He's like, this is such a good opportunity. You know, this is Paul. He's this passion in this fire. And so they, they have these high moments, but then they also have these small interactions side by side. And, and, and as we have walked through this journey, and as we walk through this journey with the Jadens, and as many of you are walking through journeys with family members and friends, I just want to remind you over and over, it is okay to grieve the loss. First, you actually need to grieve yourself. You, you need to, in times of pain, you need to not move on too quickly. You need to allow yourself to experience the emotion of grief. Grief is actually a healthy emotion. Um, uh, about two months ago when, when Nolan first shared this with me and we started to get some clarity around it, I, I just I had to clear my head and I just went for a run and, I, and there's a spot that kind of overlooks the city and I just go and sit down and I just, I just started to ask, like, okay, how do I feel about this? Like, what's going on inside of me? What, I, I'm thinking about next step. What does this mean for our church and strategy? I'm like, but, but how do I feel? And, and I was like, I am overcome with sadness. Like, this is, this is one of my best friends. This is my partner in ministry. Like, I am, I, I am grieved by this. And I just sat on, this, on, on the corner of this ledge, but nobody around. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And, man, I just cried. I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss this guy. And I just need to encourage you. You are a human being created in God's image, and, and you are created as an emotional being. And it is not healthy and good for us to just stuff emotions. You are both body and spirit. You, are, you have mind and you have emotions. And when the waves of grief crash over us, the, we don't stuff them. We need to actually embrace them and feel them. Because here's what I need you to see. Sorrow and joy, they are not incompatible. They can actually coexist at once, okay? My son, I'm always using illustrations of my son, Dax, okay? And I'm always talking about his interests, right? Well, he does this funny thing where he compartmentalizes his interests, so, like, right now, he's, like, really into amphibians, but he used to be into dinosaurs. And so, as soon as he takes interest in amphibians, he's like, I'm not, we're like, oh, look at this cool dinosaur thing. He's like, Dad, I'm over dinosaurs. That's not my thing anymore, right? And, and I know there's going to be a come a point where he's going to be like, amphibians, that was so 2022, right? He's like, reptiles now. I'm like, are they different? He's like, ugh, I roll, right? You know, okay? He compartmentalizes them. No, 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 I'm done with that. And now I've moved on to this. We think our emotions have to be compartmentalized. We think, oh, like, I, I can't be excited and joy-filled for what's happening next uh, uh, and grieve at the same time. No, the paradox of Christian joy in a world of sorrow is that they can both coexist. This is what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, we are treated as imposters yet are true. He's pointing out all these paradoxes. And behold, we live as dying and behold, we live as sorrowful and yet always 
rejoicing as having nothing yet possessing everything. In, in seasons like this, sorrow and joy are not incompatible. They can coexist. We can, be, we can feel joy over what God is doing in people's lives, but also grieving and feeling sorrow over the loss. Okay, so we need to grieve ourselves, but, but also we need to let others grieve. We need to allow them to grieve. We need to not just rush this process too quickly. Um, it, one of the things that's challenging is, um, you know, at, so Nolan and I, we, we've been wrestling through this for the last couple months. And so in some ways, like I'm here, right, in the process. And yet many in this room are like here, <laughs> like weird. And, and so can I just say, like, like the reason we're taking a Sunday like this is because um, we don't want to rush this process emotionally for you. And just, yes, there's good. And we want to see the joy and we want to see the beauty. But, but, but no, we actually have to embrace what is happening. Um, we have no idea. And I just want you, you to hear this about other people in our church. You have no idea how something like this is going to impact other people. Like what it's going to bring about. My, my wife texted me this week. Um, my daughter had a couple friends over. And she, she, my wife just texted me. She's like, yeah, Nova, our daughter Nova, just, just said to her friends Park, Parker and Wesley, she's like, are you guys going to miss Nolan? I'm really sad that he's leaving. And I'm like, this is, like, this is my six-year-old daughter. And I'm, like, and, and I'm thinking, I'm like, she, her only experience is Nolan being a pastor in our church. She, she gets like really excited when she, she, she sees him. Like, I'm just daddy, but Nolan's a pastor. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's Nolan. That's she, like, but we have no idea the levels of grief that people are going through and what, they're, what, what, what it's going to look like. And so youth and young adults and people in, you know, have taken Rise Academy, sat under his teaching and huddles and friendship. Like, in some of you, the truth is, moments like this, they actually bring up pain and fear and past hurt. Some of you heard that and your first thought was something you experienced in the church previously. Something you first felt was an emotion you went through in your family when you experienced, you, you know, experienced transition and loss and grief. And so this is going to stir up all kinds of things. And I just want to remind you over and over, it is good and godly to grieve and to grieve well. So let's take care of each other through this process. Let's be willing to sit down with some of the youth and some of the young adults and some of the, the, the different brothers and sisters in our church and to talk about this. This is not some secret where it's like, hey, here's an announcement, now move on. Like, no, let's, let's talk about change. Let's, let's try, to, try to do it in a way that, that functions well. You know, when we, this first started kind of coming out, uh, the different people on our leadership team, and I'm so grateful for them, how they care for me and how they care for this church. And they just kept reaching out to me. Our, our Dave was like, hey, let's grab coffee. I just I want to see how you're doing. That was his first reaction. How are you doing? I, I, I know what you're facing in this, and I, I just want to care for you in this. Andre and Julie take, took me and my wife out to dinner. And I'm like, hey, can we just process? My, my buddy Chris, uh, he was like, cigar room, El Gaucho, let's go. <laughs> And then our wives were like, you're not going without us. We're like, okay. So their, their hair smelled like cigars for a week, right? But that's Christian community, am I right? Like to care for each other through this process. Our, our ministry leaders on Monday, we got together at my house, about 30, 30 of us. And we just shared and we cried and we wept and we grieved. And we shared what are the things that we're going to miss. And it was just, it, it was healthy for us to grieve through this process. It is good and godly to grieve. 
And so we, can, we need to learn to genuinely grieve things together with transparency and vulnerability, not with stuffing or ignoring. And, and this is, these are the things that God can use to form us deeply, okay? So that's the first thing about gospel goodbye. Second is, man, we need to actually focus on the good over the grievances. And here's what I mean. Where does Paul start in Acts 20? He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. He's like, remember, remember the impact that was made. He's like, I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable. He, he's like, let's focus on, yes, there are things, there are grievances that have happened. And there is pain, but we need to focus on the good over the grievances. And I see this happen a lot in transitions. Is, is, um, it's easy to make room for misunderstanding, misconvenication, and misrepresentation in, in moments like this. Well, why didn't they tell me first? Or why, why didn't this conversation take, take place? And so what we do is we subconsciously create conflict because it's actually easier to say goodbye. You ever notice this or seen this? Okay, somebody's leaving, and so now all of a sudden we start to come up with all these all these conflicts or these issues that we have because subconsciously, if I no longer like that person, it's easier easier for me to say, you know, yeah, bye, Phoenicia, right, right, right. But but if we actually, if we actually focus on the good rather than the grievances, then we're walking through a gospel goodbye in a way that Paul. And this church teaches us. See, what Jesus wants for us in this season is for this to be a season marked deeply by grace and compassion, loving each other as we walk through this. You know, one of the key things that I've learned, you guys, there are just seasons of friendships and there's seasons of, of partnerships as we walk through these things. That was really hard for me at first. I was like, no, no, no. Like any friendship you have, that has to be for life. Or it's not a true friendship, right? But, but as, as I've looked through the relationships over my years, I no longer focus on the sorrow and the grief of that transition or that loss. I want to look back on the good. No, no, no. It, God brought me that person for a season. And, and they brought about good. And, and so when we think about this in the context of our church, man, can we remember the good that has been brought about by the last seven years? The, the impact that the Jadens have made pouring out in, on our church. Not focus on our, um, how upset we feel that somebody would leave. How frustrated we've, we'd feel. Well, they didn't tell me or they didn't tell me in the right way. Or when they were telling me, they said this one thing and I'm going to hold on to it. No, no, no. We need to cover each other in grace. There are going to be misses. Some of you guys are like feeling misses right now. Like, why didn't I know this? Why, did, why didn't I hear about this in a different way? There, it's going to happen, okay? And what do we do as a church when those things happen? We cover them with grace. We say, no, 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 let, 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 let's love each other through these process and walk through it well. Jonathan Edwards, uh, old theologian, he says this. He says, our bad things turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost, and the best things are yet to come. See, this is the posture that we need to have. No, no, that, that even the bad that we experience, God is using for good. And the good things that we experience, they can never be lost. They are for eternity, and the best is yet to come. See, our friendships, our partnerships here on earth are for a season, yes, but our eternal family founded in the blood of Jesus is for all eternity, amen? 
And so these people that you've made connections and relationships with, you may have this grief over this temporary loss. This is what Paul's saying. He's like, I don't think I'm ever going to see you again. Because Paul knew, Paul knew his death was imminent and he was just buying time, preaching the gospel as much as he could. But you know what else he knew? He knew he would see these people in eternity. And these would be partnerships and relationships for all eternity. And so even this week, as I'm you know, kind of preparing yesterday, I was going through this passage, just reading and just kind of thinking. And I found myself thinking like, man, what was the first time Nolan preached? And it was, it was in November of 2015. And I had this thought, I was like, I wonder if I still have that video. Okay, and we didn't keep anything from those. That was the, those were rough years. Let's just say that, right? You are the faithful saints who are, th- you know, uh, who were there for that and stuck around, right? Um, and I would like, I intentionally was like, I, no, I deleted all my sermons. Don't make me rewatch that, right? Like, I don't want to hate myself. But I saved Nolan's, okay, <laughs> because I was like, I was like. I remember explicitly being like, oh, I want him, like, I want to coach him through this and I want to, want to see it. And I, dude, I found it yesterday. Okay. <laughs> so here's what I want to do. I want you to see a glimpse of this and, and I want you to see it interspliced with a, a sermon that he preached recently. And I just, just to experience the good, um, godly growth that this dude has gone through. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> everybody. I'm super pumped that you're here. Hey, so if you're new here, I want to give you a special welcome and just say that I'm super excited that I get to preach the word tonight. And uh... What following Jesus is, is saying, I have discovered the beauty. We have encountered the glory of God in Jesus. If you're new, I'm not normally the guy that's up here, but uh, you get me tonight, so here we are. There is a weight and power to Jesus that draws you in when you're saved, that you can't even resist him. <laughs> so anyway, hey, I just wanted to say that uh, also, if you don't know me, I should probably say my name. That he is the gift, that he is the reward, that he is the new power, that he is the new strength, that he is the help in times of need, that he is the brother who is closer than a friend. Look, we are going to see that Jesus one day, church. We are going to see the reward of all that we're doing here. And that is what we call the blessed hope of Christianity. And we are the most to be pitied if we're living like this and we don't see him face to face. But let me tell you, you are. You are going to see Jesus. Uh, My name is Nolan. And my wife and I actually started coming to Rise at the uh, beginning of this summer. And we just love it so much. It's, uh, It's been a crazy ride. It's been super, super awesome. So... Uh, Anyway, I just want to get started on the sermon tonight. How good is that? Oh, man. I I didn't cry watching that yesterday. I don't know what you're talking about. You were crying. That was dumb, right? (laughs) Let me just say this. Church, over the last seven years, we have faithfully raised up this boy so we can generously send out this man. A church is never about one person, and it's actually never, it can never be about one church. Um, We have to have a mindset that says kingdom is greater than castle. Kingdom is greater than castle. That is what is more important. That That is the posture we have. Paul says, in all things, I've shown you that by working hard in the way we must 
help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself has said, it is more blessed to give than receive. See, we glorify God through kingdom generosity. And so we need to have a kingdom over castle mindset. We have to have, view kingdom expansion as greater than king, castle retention. And, and so, yes, goodbyes are hard, but this, these, this is the kind of investment we have to make. See, Tim Keller, he talks about church planting. He says this, this pointed thing, right? He says, our attitude to new church development, church plants, is a test of whether our mindset is geared to our own institutional turf or to the overall health and prosperity of the kingdom of God. Woo, man, like calm down, Tim Keller, right? Like go easy on us. But isn't this so true? Can I, can I just be brutally honest? Like, can I just be real, really honest for a second here? Um, like, I hate this. Like, there's no part of me that enjoys this. Like, this is painful. I feel frustrated. I feel disappointed from what my expectations were. I feel, I feel hurt by this. I, I, feel, uh, I feel like our, I want our city filled with talented young leaders. I want our church to continue to expand and take over the region. I want to see the Pacific Northwest reach with the gospel. And I could care less about Arizona. Like they can keep their stupid 110 degree weather, right? <laughs> Nobody likes the Grand Canyon. It's a hole in the ground. And who cares about cactuses? I had to literally look it up. I was like, is it cactuses or cacti? Guess what? It's both. They can't even decide, you know? I, I'm frustrated. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because I'm selfish. Because I'm selfish. But Paul, in his letter to the church at Philippi, and he says, look, if you've experienced the grace of Jesus, if you've experienced comfort from his love, then make my joy complete and be like-minded and do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others better than yourselves. This is what we need in moments like this. We need to have a gospel generosity. See, the true measure of kingdom generosity is a willingness to plant trees whose shade you will never get to sit under. We need to be planters of trees, even if we never experience the shade, even if we never experience the grace of it. And so as a church, we are sending them out and we are going to send them out generously. And that's the posture that we have to have and we have to continue to have. And so just really practically, um, I just want to let you know um, some of the ways that we're sending them out as a church. Um, first, so they need, to work, they need to work through the details of their transition, um, you know, possibly even as soon as October. Um, they may be moving down there, but it may take a little while longer. But what we've said is we need you to help us in some of these key staff transitions through September, but we're going to pay you the rest of the year. We want money to be off the table for you as you move forward, that you can move forward in grace, right? Now, and for a little context, um, our church, we have three full-time staff, me, Kristen, and Nolan, okay? And we're like, so sending one away, like, is hard, okay? It's a challenge. It's not, this is kind of unique 
for a, for a church our size. We have about 1,000 people connected here at Rise, okay? So I'd have three full-time staff, a, few, a handful of part-timers, and then just an army of leaders who are, who are giving up other time. That's why we're able to move in the way that we are. But we want them to be freed up to move without, without having to consider and worry too much about the financial pieces. Second, um, we're going to resource the heck out of them. And what I mean by that is um, we're, we want to send them with whatever they need. Boom. You have your work computer, take it. Uh, you need a projector, sound system. Like I want two U-Hauls going down to Arizona, one with their stuff and one with like church plant in a box, right? Okay. And they can store that in their kitchen. I had to do that when we planted, you know, planted rise. I want them to taste that and feel that and experience that. But the point of that is so that, you know, as you're raising money, that it can be going directly into ministry and not just stuff and resources, that they would have those resources right off the bat, okay? We don't want to be stingy. One of the most painful things for me when I planted Rise was we wanted this pipe and drape. We needed pipe and drape. And so um, my old church had pipe and drape in a like dusty storage area. And I knew where it was because I was the one who like climbed back there to put it there. And so I reached out to them and I was like, hey, could we borrow that pipe and drape as we get started? And they said, no. And I was like, oh, that's your posture towards this church plant. We will not have that posture. Amen? We will have a posture of kingdom generosity. Okay, and so here's the third thing. Yeah, we're, one, one day, Nolan, like you can teach, he can teach his church how to clap. We're never good at it. We never know. <laughs> Part of it, I, I, I take the blame. I move on too quickly. You guys like are like, do we? And I just start talking, okay? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> I feel like we just clapped for pipe and drape, but it's all right. <clears throat> all right, third, um, third, and, and this is really important. Um, for, for, for years now, you guys have been giving to kingdom builders. And, and kingdom builders is something where we say we have to invest outward. And so we're going to invest in local partnerships around us. We're going to invest in global missions and we're going to invest in church planting. And so for three years, starting in January of next year, for three years, we're going to make an investment in our first church plant. And it's going to be Nolan and Lindsay planting in Phoenix. Okay. So now, now I want to share uh, the details because it's actually kind of cool. So for the first year, we're going to, so it's going to be monthly. So we're going to support them at $2,000 a month for the first year, the second, and then you, you, you want to taper it off so they can kind of become more self-reliant. Second year will be $1,000 a month, and then year three will be seven fifty a month. Now, that sounds like a really weird number. If you add it all up, it equals $45,000. Now, wh why, why 45, yeah, <laughs> somebody just, I think somebody just peed a little. That was, that was okay, why $45,000? Because four years ago, we knew we wanted to hire Nolan on in our young church plant. We didn't have the resources and the money to do it. And so we reached out to Cornerstone here in Gresham, and we said, hey, would you be willing to make a donation to, to help us bring, you know, bring someone on staff? And I thought, like, in a good day, like, we could get a couple thousand dollars from them. And they wrote us a check for $45,000. And so that in kingdom investment is now being passed on. That's the kind of kingdom generosity that we have to have. J.D. Greer puts it like this in his book, Gaining by Losing, which is all about churches sending out. He says, planting always involves risk. We release control of something we need in the hopes that it will come back to us in multiplied measure. But once we let go of it, we forfeit any ability to use it for ourselves. Seeds you plant, you can no longer consume. Yet without the act of planting 
there will never be a harvest. This is the posture that we have to have, a kingdom posture in this moment. This is why it says in Proverbs, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds and unduly, unholds unduly but but comes to poverty. And so a kingdom over castle mindset says we're submitting ourselves to the kingdom multiplication principles of God. We are going to invest and we are going to pour out. We want to glorify God with kingdom generosity. And so we're going to be generous as a church through this process. And, and, and we need to be generous as individuals as we face these kind of things. Um, but the last thing that I need you to hear and to know um, that Paul emphasizes in his goodbye is this, the church goes forward, okay? The church goes forward. Listen, we love the Jadens. Church is never built on one person. You guys, none of us are indispensable. It is the body. It is Jesus who builds his church. This is what he says. He says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, okay, this is interesting. There's two things he does. One, he gives a warning to these overseers. He's like, hey, when I leave, there's a bunch of wolves that are going to show up. And and they're going to try to lead you astray. And actually, another warning is not just wolves from the outside, but from within, there's people that are going to rise up. And so when you work through transitions, any kind of transition as a church, you have to be, there's an element where you're like, no, you have to be guarded. And and let me just say this, like, like, I'm on guard right now. Like, I care about this church deeply. And so, so I'm in protection mode in one degree because I care about your hearts and your souls and your minds. Our church will not, um, will not fizzle because of this. Our church will become stronger in the midst of it. And, and I am deeply, and the rest of our leaders, we are deeply committed to that. We will guard in a season like this. We will guard against, um, against speaking ill of one another. We will guard against you know, false doctrines taking place. We will guard against people trying to, you know, well, now that he's not here, I'm gonna t- I want to take this in that direction. Nope, there is no place for that. We continue to press forward in our call to preach Jesus and the gospel and reach our city. Amen? And so we push forward in those things. This is mo- we're, we're clapping now. This is amazing. I'm so bad. I, I, I never know what to do in those moments. So that's part of it. But here's the second thing he says. Pull that verse up again. He says, now I commend you to God. Now this word commend, okay? I commend you to God. This word commend is interesting. It is the word part. Uh, Paratothemi, paratothemi. I, I practice it. I can never get it on a Sunday, but paratothemi, okay? And, and this word commend, it means, um, it means I entrust you. It, it actually means uh, to put next to. The word para is where we get the word pair, right? So uh, I'm pairing you up with, I'm putting you next to God. I, I place you next to. It's the word that is used when you're placing an infant in the arms of their mother to nurse. And so Paul says, hey, like, I want you to be on guard. I want you to be careful. But also, guess what? You are in the hands of Jesus. The weight of this church is not on my shoulders. The weight of this church is on the the whip-scarred back of our Savior. And he's the one who can carry us through. He is the one who moves us forward. See, it is Jesus who says he builds his church. 
He is the one who's building. He is the one who is sending. He is the one who is raising up. He is the one who is calling forth. And so, again, we were always only fully, clearly, exclusively, uncompromisingly all about Jesus forever. There, we are not built on personality. We are not built on a person other than Jesus. It's Jesus who builds his church. And so Jesus who multiplies forward, Jesus who, who makes the gospel go forth, Jesus who raise up disciples. And this is what he says. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. See, all of life and ministry is built upon this principle. That it is through death and sacrifice that life and multiplication come forth. And, and here's what I need you to hear. The church goes forward in this, and we're going to experience some of our most fruitful, impactful ministry in the coming months and years. Because it is Jesus who's building. It is Jesus who is advancing. It is Jesus who is moving forward. This is this beautiful gospel principle that through death, through loss, new life, and new fruit is made possible. We went through, um, we were about four years in, we went, we went through a painful transition. Like this was a completely different context. But we lost, we lost a worship leader and, and our kids leader and a key lead who helped plant this church with us all in a moment. And, and, and I found myself just grieving in that time. What, like, what do we do? And you know what's been incredible to watch is as God has raised up other leaders through that. That was the season out of that when Nolan and Kristen raised up in a whole different level. That was the season at our worship team, Hannah and Stacy and Tyler, raised up in a whole different level. And, and, and kids, Marissa and Jules, they stepped up and helped lead in a whole different level. This is the principle that constantly is at work. No, through death, God... Christ is always bringing life. This is why we are built around the gospel. I saw this picture of a tree the other day, and uh, I, I thought it was incredible to me. I know you can't totally see it, but because it's pretty dark down here. But what's taking place is down at the bottom here, that's actually a fallen tree. And when I first saw it, I was like, man, isn't that incredible that where that tree fell, those other trees just pushed through? And they're just teeming with life. But I realized something. I was like, those aren't other trees. Those are branches of that fallen tree that are finally able to fully grow. Now, this is the principle that Jesus is speaking to here. This is what happens. When we experience loss and a void is left, others, his church, they rush in to fill the gap. And when it's a large void, um, it takes many to fill in. And so when we think about this transition and we think about uh, preaching and things like social media and theology and youth and young adults and writing and rallies and huddles and passion, it is a lot to fill in. It is not something one person can come in and fill in. And that's a beautiful thing. It's going to take all kinds of people stepping in in all kinds of ways using their gifts. And you know what's going to happen as these people step in, feeling completely inadequate and overwhelmed and unprepared? They're going to grow. They're going to be raised up. And we're going to look back years from now, and we're going to see the faithfulness of God steadfast moving forward because Jesus builds his church.
And so Paul, he, he has these words when he is ultimately imprisoned and he, he writes these words to this church that he said goodbye to. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or that you may see the hope to which he has called you. We have to build our lives upon hope. To the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, we have to put our hope in the inheritance that we have in Jesus and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Here's what I want us to hear as we move forward. See, the effectiveness of this church is not on personnel. It's not on personality. It's not even on who's present and who's no longer here. The effectiveness of this church is found in the powerful presence of the Spirit moving among his people as we surrender our time, our talents, our skills, our fears, our hopes, our dreams, and our very lives to his glory, our joy, and others' good. Amen? So Jesus built this church. So listen to me. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to feel sorrow and loss and to walk through these things. I think it's actually important for you to do that and to walk through it well. In the midst of it, we do need to focus on the good. And we need to give grace where there's a gap. And we need to cover each other in grace. And we need to give generously to the kingdom. Because kingdom is greater than castle. But also, we got to move forward. And press forward in the mission. And excited about multiplication and what God is doing. Lord, would you guide and lead our church through this transition. Lord, I'm just so thankful that we don't feel like we have to do this alone or have to wonder how, how we walk about this in a healthy way, that you have given us timeless and timely truth in your scripture of the grief and the sorrow and the goodness and the celebration of even when Paul left that church at Ephesus. And so, Lord, I pray your protection over our church as we move forward. But would you strengthen us? Would you give us hope and passion and precision? And would this declare with vitality that the gospel is real, that you are in the business of redemption and resurrection? And would we find our hope in you? We pray all this in your name. Amen.